You are Locked On Bengals, your daily Cincinnati Bengals podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What up, Bengals fans, and welcome to another episode of the Locked On Bengals podcast. I'm your host, Jake Lisko. You'll hear from James Rapine as we wrap up our conversation with Brian Callahan. We finish up our conversation about running game and scheme. We're going to start with that fold play. We'll talk a lot about the offensive line. We'll talk a little bit about Joe Burrow and the things that he needs to improve coming off that knee injury and how confident Callahan is that those improvements will come. We wrap up with a bit of a philosophical question just for fun, talking about positional value, something we do on this podcast all the time. Just wanted to ask a coach to weigh in with his thoughts. We had a lot of fun with this, of course, and I hope you enjoy part three of our conversation with Brian Callahan. Let's talk a little bit about that fold play. It was, I mean, you you know me, I I like the passing game. I, I think the passing game is the way that the NFL rules are pushing things. It's the way that offenses are going in the NFL. But one of my favorite plays that you guys ran consistently this year was that fold play. I was watching a game and I was like, what, what is this play? What, what do we even call this? Because it looks like it was half zone and half man. And I was, I was trying to figure out what was going on there. But what I'm talking about when I say fold is for, for the people listening is where you have the tackle kind of pulling around the guard and then going up through the A gap to find a linebacker at the second level while you get a combo block on the other side with the center looking to release to a linebacker on the second level. It just makes everybody's job a little bit easier took me a long time to figure out what this play was, but can you talk about why this was so successful for you guys? Um, the best part about it is it, it's, you know, if you're a big tight zone team, it just changes up your combinations. And obviously we were on so much tight zone this past year. Uh, it allowed us to, to cut the defense a little bit. And what I mean by that is uh, instead of just zoning everything all the time, it allowed us to kind of to take one of the sides of the defense and man it, like you were saying. So now as opposed to the guard and the tackle, working together in combination up to a linebacker. We're now cutting the defense when it's at best to a three technique. So now the guard is going to pin the three technique and the tackle is going to come fold around. So it's just, it's just a change in angles uh, of the, for the tight zone. Um, it's still, it's still kind of a zone play with, with a main principle where you're, you're cutting defense at a, at a point where um, it kind of forces the back's entry to some degree. So there's a lot less read and react for the back. It's more uh, he's trying to get in that in that crease um, behind it. So it's a like I said we term it as a cutting the defense where you're you're trying to just give yourself a chance to to get something vertical through the, through the middle of the defense without having to worry about combinations. And, um, it's, you know probably to get a little bit too shop talky, but at the end of the day, a lot of times when you're in the gun, which we are we work quite a bit, is when you get that over front. You get a three technique, you get a seven technique. So he's playing on the inside shoulder of the tight end. And what happens is, is now the, tight, the, the guard and the tackle both have to be great on that combination block to the linebacker. The tight end now has to cut off a defensive end's seven technique, who's already probably going to be spiking in the C gap. And then usually there's a support player playing off on the outside. So now the receiver's got to get that guy. So for the run to be right, you kind of got to be right at the guard, tackle, tight end, and receiver on the backside. Whereas this play just allows you uh, really – Ultimately, you're going to be as long as you can pin the three and pull around. You don't have to be right all everywhere else. They still got to fit that run. It's a little bit harder fit for the defense, and so uh, it was a really good kind of productive complement. We did versions of it with the tight end and with tackles, 
to good, good productive play. It's just kind of a changing and blocking scheme. It just gives those guys, especially those three techniques, a little something else to think about. You mentioned being in the gun a couple of times over the past couple of minutes and obviously Joe most comfortable there. Can he get more comfortable under center this off season, knowing that he's recovering and I know he's walking and stuff like that, but still recovering from a really serious knee injury. Does that hurt that part of his game and him trying to develop that and be more comfortable under center? Uh, I don't think so. I, I thought he did a really good job as, as the year went along this past year of, of kind of starting to do things. You know, again, we try to start the season off as best we could, making Joe as comfortable as we possibly could make, no matter what that meant. Um, because that's how we, you know, we figured – we were going to be able to have success if he could play as, as comfortable as he played at LSU. And so uh, that was kind of part of the goal early on. And I think as he got more comfortable, you know, he got more comfortable doing the other things that, that you, that you need to be able to do. Uh, you have to be able to run the ball under center in the NFL. Uh, it's hard to run the ball in the gun uh, efficiently as you would need to. Um, it's good. You got to be able to do kind of, I got to keep saying, but you got to be able to do all of it, you know, because the, the play action game is much better under center it's much better when you're back to the defense. All those things are more effective under center. Um, you know, and it's part of it's part of the, the keeper game and naked game and all that. You know, it all it all fits together. But um, you know, there's a there's a balance to all of it uh, at the end of the day for for Joe. You know, you, you got to do what he's comfortable with, and then as he grows and gets better, you introduce more of those things as as he gets uh, obviously now at this point gets healthy too. So that that, that definitely plays a part in, that, in the whole thing. On that note, talking about Joe and, and his development, his recovery coming off the ACL injury, one of the things that he's talked about wanting to improve, one of the things that's you know obvious on tape, obvious when you look at the numbers, is the vertical ball isn't quite where you want it to be. It's, it's below league average, and this is something that he was really good at at LSU. And, and obviously, it's a little bit harder to work on some of those things when you're rehabbing a knee injury. What can Joe do this offseason to, to focus on that because it is something that he said, you know, I want to focus on getting this aspect of our game better. Yeah. I mean, it has to be better, obviously for us to be an explosive offense and, and score points the way we want to score points, but we, we have to be able to, to hit those balls down the field. And um, there's probably, you know, every, like to say every, every interception has a story. Uh, so does most, most, most incompletions to some degree. So, uh, you know, we'll spend a bunch of time uh, with Joe watching those things when, when the time comes, um, you know, you, you watch them during the season, but when you sit down at the end of the season and you're not getting ready for a game and you can really kind of dive into what do we have to do specifically to get better, um, you know, we'll have that, that all squared away. And, and he'll, he'll watch every one of those throws again. Uh, we'll see where we missed. We'll see what the reasoning was, whether it was receiver, whether it was throw, whether it was protection, whether it was, you know, any number of things that can affect uh, the accuracy of a downfield throw. And I don't really don't have much worry, you know, even though he is rehabbing, he'll be able to throw here sooner than later, uh, ultimately, just because it's, you know, throwing is not necessarily as hard to do when you're recovering it is to, to run and cut and do stuff like that. So um, I would imagine he'll be he'll be throwing uh, at some point here in the near future and, and he'll be able to get those reps. Those guys will get together at some point to throw um, and, and we'll correct those things. And they, it has to be corrected. And I think I think Joe knows it and we all know it and. Uh, the receivers know it. Uh, part of the reason you see guys have success in college with the deep ball, uh, I would say that outside of probably two or three games, everybody they lined up against, they were better than. Um, so it's 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 easier to go run by corners that you're better than all the time. So, um, you know, it gets a little bit more challenging when, when the corners are good and they can run too. And, 
you're, you're seeing tight coverage and uh, the ball placement has to be different sometimes. You got to give guys chances. And I think our guys, you know, T, I think in particular, had a couple early in the season that, that we could have connected on that we missed. Those kind of jump 50-50 opportunities where it was contested uh, and we didn't make the play. So that's that's part of it too. It's actually really interesting. One of the places Joe was better than the rest of the league was the back shoulder on vertical balls. And and I only know this because PFF just released their QB annual where they chart all this stuff. And I've yep. been looking at the 10 pages dedicated to Joe Burrow for the last 24 hours or so. And, and where he's missing is on those, those over-the-shoulder throws. Uh, it's just an interesting note. It's something that was very obvious on his college tape. It's something that we thought was going to bode well for some of the bigger, you know, tight contested catch guys that you have with Auden Tate. And we saw it. And with T Higgins, which is something that I think he'll get better at just because he was so good at it at Clemson and he's so young coming into the league. You expect him to start winning those 50-50s a little bit more often than 50-50. No question. Uh, And and really, when you look at the deep ball in the NFL, you know, the percentage of them, I wouldn't know off the top of my head what it is league-wide. But I would say most of the deep balls that, that are going 30-plus yards on the sideline, not not your post routes, not anything like that, but just pure go routes down the field, you know, most of those are probably back shoulder balls more than they are over the top just because it, it's really hard to beat guys over the top unless you've got great speed and great placement of the ball. Um, those are, They're not high-percentage throws as it is, you know. Um, those back shoulders tend to be a lot more a lot more high-percentage because the, you know, the defender can't see the ball and, and the receiver – uh, has the, the positioning advantage and, and the quarterback knows where to throw it. And, and Joe's that, that plays into Joe's accuracy, which is obviously one of his uh, huge strengths is that he can put that ball uh, in those types of positions where the guys on the R guy can get it. Um, so that, that got better as the year went along too, as he got more comfortable throwing the, to the receivers. We'll be back with more of our interview with Brian Callahan in just a minute, but the draft season is here and you need to go to bet online right now because it's the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. I get it. The NFL season is over, but you can bet on the NFL draft. Will Penny Sewell be the first offensive lineman taken? Will Jamar Chase go ahead of Devontae Smith? You can take those opinions and make money. Plus, they have the NBA, college basketball, NHL, all in full swing. Bet online even covers awards, TV shows, reality TV, real-time updated odds, and props on almost anything you can imagine. Bet Online has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. Go there right now. BetOnline.ag. Use promo code Locked On, and you're going to get a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. So go to the website on your laptop or mobile device. Make sure you use promo code Locked On at BetOnline.ag for your 50% welcome bonus. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. Brian, I'll be honest before I, I ask this question, uh, and I don't even know if it's going to be a question. That's more of my opinion, and I, I think there are uh, a lot of people out there that feel that way. Uh, Joe Burrow, obviously, as advertised, probably exceeded a lot of people's expectations. When you, you go into this offseason, you have eight draft picks. The Bengals have plenty of cap space. Is is it your hope as an offensive coordinator to do as much as you can to to – not only just make him comfortable like he did last year, but put all the pieces around him from offensive line to deep threats and to give him all the tools in the cupboard almost where you can fully unleash him. Like, Hey, you've been busting your ass from rehab. Here you go. Here's this treasure chest of, of tools to work with. The, the best part about being the offensive coordinator is that I don't have to worry about anybody else. So I'm not the head coach. I don't, I'll take all the players, give them all That's every, right. every, every last one of them. Um, <laughs> 
And <laughs> I remember uh, Mike McCoy told me one time that, you know, you really, you kind of almost got to be selfish sometimes. Like when we would get ready for the draft, uh, he would always say, you got to be really adamant about uh, adding offensive players. He goes, it's really not, you know, your job is to coach the offense. And if you don't, if you don't advocate for those guys and stand up for the types of guys you think you want, you know, you can get, you can kind of get passed over, you know? Um, and it's not to be like contentious or not believe in whatever, but you just, it's almost like you got to kind of fight for your guys. If you got guys who think can help you and you want them, you know, you got to make the argument why they're better than somebody else. And again, not my decision to make at the end of the day. Um, I, you know, that's for, that's for the, the people that make those decisions and the head coach. Um, but yeah, I mean, I would love to, I'd, I'd take every offensive player. I wish we could just draft offensive players the whole time. So <laughs> that would make me really happy. Uh, but obviously I know it's not a reality and you got, you know, special teams and a defense that, that, that all play part in this thing. But um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm always in favor of, of adding offensive talent. Um, however you can get it. Was it, was it hard last off season when the, the Bengals allocated all those funds to, to defensive players? And then after Burrow and T go with the first couple of picks, you only have, we only talked to you one more time uh, during the draft because it was yeah. uh, four defensive players. Well, you know, I will say this, at least the, you know, at least the first two picks, we got the ones that we wanted. Sure. Uh, that was, that was <laughs> exciting. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's, I'm not mad at, it. I, I like our team getting better personally. I, I'm, I'm not going to sure. ever complain about that, <laughs> but uh, certainly as a, as an offensive coach, you just, you want as many offensive players as, as they'll give you. Let's talk a little bit about that offensive line in some detail then just, just a little bit, because it's one of those areas where it, it can't have been what you hoped it would be from just an observer's perspective from the outside. You could see how the team was changing its approach on offense at some points in the season to try to help those guys where maybe it wasn't as good as you wanted it to be. Obviously injuries don't help, but the team kind of gave off a lot of confidence going into 2020 in that offensive line. It, it didn't go according to plan. What are the big takeaways for you as an offensive staff that that you think you see and you know this has to be better and and this is how we can do it what what did you learn from that experience this year um yeah quite a few things really um those there's always uh the being in the building with guys you always have um, a little bit of a trying to think of the right way to say it, but you have a, you kind of have your dad vision a little bit, you know, you got guys that you, 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 you believe in and you think they're going to do, they're do all the right things and the way you want it done and they're going to get better every day and, and those types of things. And so um, you do, you do feel that way uh, a lot about a lot of, a lot of players. Um, and, and sometimes it's, uh, they answer the bell and they do what you think they're going to do. And sometimes they don't, and that's just part of coaching. Uh, but there's certainly moments where, where I thought, we would get better play at certain spots um, than we did. And injuries were, were, were a large part of it. Uh, and, and the consistency of the lineup. I mean, we, I didn't, I would never want to play with that many different combinations of players that we had to play with uh, some out of necessity um, and some out of, uh, you know, guys didn't play well enough. We're trying to find guys that were, we're going to play better. And, you know, when you get to that point, um, obviously it's not going to be what, what you had envisioned uh, to start the season out, but, you know, uh, those guys, they all, they battled, they fought and they, and they tried to do shit the right way. Sorry. I didn't cut that one out, I guess, but, um, you know, they, they like, 
whenever you get to this spot where, where you're, you're plugging and playing guys and they're out of position and, and you're, and you're starting guys that don't, you know, we start Quentin Spain to tackle and, you know, we're trying to get, keep Keen comfortable. So we, we keep him at left and then he's got to go uh, all of a sudden then Mike Jordan gets sick. He's out for the game and then Trey gets hurt and Billy's got to play and then Billy's got to go on a guard. And then it's just, it's hard. It's hard to maintain any kind of consistency um, and, and get any kind of continuity with the group. And, that is the reality of the NFL. You are going to have different lineups. That's always how it's going to be. Um, but I, for us, it, it happened far too much. Uh, and again, part of it, you know, far too much for, for injury reasons. Uh, we'd like to obviously stay healthier. That would be helpful. Um, but then the play wasn't consistent enough. So we were, we were moving guys around uh, to try to get, to get better play uh, up front as a whole. And, you know, guys had their moments where they were really good. And those guys, you know, they had moments where they weren't as good as they need to be. Uh, and the other hard part is that we play against a lot of really good defenses uh, this year that, that you know, maybe uh, gave us more of a handful uh, than, than we would have thought going into the game. You know, they got some, they got some good fronts we play against for sure in our division. Um, and then you, then you throw in, you know, Philly's front. They still, they still got some juice. Chargers front early in the year. They were healthy and they were playing well. Um, Indy's front is really good. Uh, even without Darius Leonard, that game we had them, they, they, so we, we played against some teams, too, that, that you know, might have made it even harder um, than it normally would be. But, yeah, I mean, we, we it's, it's kind of – it's all out there. You know, we, we're trying to get – we got to get better. we got to play better uh, up front for us to, to be good enough uh, to compete for the things that we want to play for. And, um, you know, there's a lot of ways to get better. Part of that's development. You know, obviously bringing Frank in is a big part of that. Uh, get, see if we can get – spark something to get these guys that, that need to get better better. Um, and then, you know, you can, there's free agency in the draft. You got to acquire your talent in both those areas uh, to improve. And I think every, there's probably three teams in the league that feel great about their offensive line all the way across the board. You know, I think everybody in the league is, is looking for offensive line talent. And so uh, we're not alone in that. And uh, it, it's, it's hard to get a, a group of five guys together. It's easy to find two, three good receivers. It's hard to find a group of five that, that's going to play well together and then stay healthy uh, through, the, through the whole season. So uh, the depth is important. You got to have guys that can swing. You need swing tackles. You need swing guards. Um, guys that can play, you know, a diff- couple different spots when needed to get you out of a game or two or three uh, when that comes down to it. We have one more segment of our interview with Brian Callahan, and we'll get to that in just a second. But I got to tell you about Built Bar, because if you're trying to get that 2021 summer bod, Built Bar can help you get there. Look, we've been in quarantine for a damn year now, so I get it. It's been tough. But if you check out these Built Bars, it's the number one protein bar on the planet. I have one each and every day, 18 amazing flavors. All you got to do, go to BuiltBar.com and check out everything they have to offer from coconut almond to raspberry, German chocolate, peanut butter, maybe mint brownie, which is one of my go-tos, toffee, almond, coconut, caramel brownie, all the flavors that you could ever ask for. Every single bar covered in 100% chocolate. And the best part, isn't their amazing taste? It's the macros, high in protein, low in sugar, perfect for you as you try to get to your fitness goals. So check them out right now, BuiltBar.com. Use promo code LOCKEDON and you're going to get 20% off your order. Again, use promo code LOCKEDON for 20% off at BuiltBar.com. How tough is it to, as a as an offensive coach, to scheme around that when you have so much change on the offensive line and you, you have a rookie quarterback or at one point you have a, a quarantine quarterback that was in there, Ryan Finley. I mean, you, you had a bunch of turnover and, I, and I'm not making an excuse, but how hard is it to have the whole playbook in motion here and, and have everything 
versus coaching around something that might be a weakness because Quentin Spain wasn't signed until four days ago and now he's suddenly starting. Yeah, that's part of the fun of coaching, I think, is really what it comes down to. Um, that's what that's what that's what the challenge is. You know, it's really easy to coach when you got a bunch of good players and they're all playing well and they're all healthy. You know, that's that's easy coaching. Um, the hard coaching is, is when you got to adapt and adjust uh, and make things uh, fit to whatever you have for that week, uh, whether it's the quarterback, whether it's the running backs, or whether it's the front. Um, and so that's that's the challenge of it all, and that that's what. That's why we. That's why I love coaching. Is is there is that inherent challenge all the time, and um, and and it's a. I don't even really look at it as coaching around something. Uh, it's really more of finding what the guys do well and doing that um, to give us a chance to win. You know, um, Brandon Allen is a is a much different quarterback than, than Joe Burrow. Um, not that he's uh, he's not a bad quarterback by any stretch. He's a he's a solid NFL quarterback, but he does things differently. He has different strengths, and so you try to highlight those strengths. Um, same with, you know, Ryan Finley, for that matter, even in that Pittsburgh game, you know, we had to find a way uh, to highlight some of Ryan's strengths. And one of those being is he's a pretty good athlete. He can run the ball a little bit. And, um, you know, it's a little bit of a surprise for the Steelers. They probably weren't expecting a lot of that. But um, that's to me, that's what that's what makes coaching fun. And, and, and that's the challenge of it all. And so with the, with the ability to find what a guy can do well to give us a chance to win uh, each week is, is, I think, what what makes good coaches in the NFL, because, you know, everybody's. Everybody knows what, what good players can do when they're, when they're healthy and playing well. You know, it doesn't uh, – those guys kind of take over when, when, they're, when they're rolling. And so it's when you, when you got it, when you're forced to adjust and adapt your system to, to fit the guys that are on the field is when um, challenges kind of arise. And so that's – to me, it's kind of fun. Um, I enjoy that part of it. But you certainly want all your best players playing healthy uh, if you want to win a lot of games. That makes a lot of sense. I mean, the NFL so often is just a game of attrition – and, you know, you talk about depth. I want to talk about value. And obviously quarterbacks, the most important position in football from, from a value perspective, it's why you see them being the highest paid players in the league, the, the highest draft picks in the league. There's a lot of data and a lot of, a lot of studies that are being done to try to figure out where's the value outside a quarterback. There are different conclusions from different data scientists and what have you. And you know, they've recently started to account for things like how a great nose tackle, while in a vacuum, isn't necessarily adding a ton of value when he's on the field, can add value in that if you have a guy like DJ Reader who can two gap and can win both of those gaps, it means you can actually play different personnel. You can you can keep an extra defensive back on the field. So this is obviously an evolving area of data science, but I just wanted to, to pull you as a coach in the league. Mm-hmm. This obviously isn't something you have to think about as much. You're not, you know, making personnel decisions, but if you had to rank the top, let's say five most valuable positions on the football field outside of quarterback, mm-hmm. what are those five positions? I would say by general uh, feeling about that is usually things that affect the passing game. So, um, Edge rushers, corners, and receivers are usually the are kind of the guys that I lean towards. And I think you're talking about guys that are getting paid. Those are usually the guys that are getting paid the most money um, to do those jobs. But uh, I think uh, edge rushers can be uh, managed as an offensive coach. So a great edge rusher doesn't scare me as much uh, as, say, a great interior rusher. So a guy like Aaron Donald or a Fletcher Cox in his prime, those guys are scary because they're hard to help. Uh, and they get through, they're going to get your guard one-on-one at some point, uh, and, and they're going to push the pocket and affect the passer. 
Um, not that that's a scientific point by any stretch, but, um, you know, I do think sometimes teams with really good interior rushes uh, can be a little bit more intimidating as an offensive-minded coach than necessarily one great edge rusher. Um, but I do see, obviously, you got to have edge rushers to rush the quarterback. Um, and, the, and the reason I believe that is because when I, in 2015 in Denver, you know, those are the guys that closed the game out. And they, it was, it was, it was Vaughn Miller and Shaq Barrett and, um, and Shane Ray and DeMarcus Ware, where we had four of them that could rush. And they, when it was time to close the game out, we were up by a score and they go close the game out in a two minute drill and they win the game. Um, so I do believe in that, but in order for the rush to work, you got to go to cover. <laughs> and so I think that that part, anytime you're talking about, I think rushing coverage to me are the two biggest things on defense. Um, and obviously without the quarterback there, the next one would be probably, um, you know, receivers or, or dynamic receiving threats. Uh, you know, you, you talk about guys like a Darren Waller or Travis Kelsey, they, they, to me, they're receivers. They're, they're guys that can, they can go make huge plays for you in critical moments. Um, but that's kind of probably my unscientific way of, of ranking it, uh, whatever affects the passing game the most. Um, and then I would probably, you could offensively, it's, it's not the quarterback, it's, it's receiving talent. And then it's probably, you got to at least be able to block them. So, um, you need to have the best tackles in football. No, but you got to be able to block people. I think you're in line with the science on that one. That's good to know. <laughs> your, your coach's intuition is right there. It's funny because yeah. a lot of people talk about, you know, analytics and how Bill Belichick is this old school coach. He doesn't need analytics. Well, he, he is the analyst. He is the computer, you know, like he, he knows the right things to do because he's so good at what he does. He's been doing it for so long, but that was my last question for you, Brian. We really appreciate your time. James, you got anything else? Not at all, Brian. I appreciate it. We, uh, we yeah. spent a lot of time talking to you. I enjoyed it. Yeah, it was fun. I enjoyed, uh, enjoyed coming on, hanging out for a little bit on a, a much less stressful uh, Tuesday night than it would be in the middle of the season. Yeah. A chance to kind of relax and talk some ball. So thanks for having me. That concludes our conversation with Brian Callahan. Had a lot of fun talking with him. Hope that you guys enjoyed the series. Let us know what you thought. Tweet us at Lockdown Bengals and give us your thoughts. What are your questions following hearing the whole thing with Callahan? We talked offensive line. We talked Joe Burrow. We talked some scheme stuff. A lot of fun all around. Would love to know what you thought. Tomorrow we're back with PFF's Anthony Tresh. He'll be joining us to talk about the QB annual. We'll go into a little bit more depth on Joe Burrow's rookie year. Until then, Bengals fans, hootay, and have a good one.